The following is a hoop bowl presentation. What is going on? It is the Hoop Ball Clippers podcast. Brandon Marcus here. A pleasure to have you with us as we record this one on a Sunday afternoon, the day of the All-Star Game. Excited for this podcast. We're going to have Shane Young on the show. It's the first time we're having Shane on this podcast. We'll get into some grades for the midseason report at the break. Also chat a bit about this whole clutch time that is becoming very prominent on Clippers Twitter, how the Clippers have struggled in the clutch. So we'll talk about that with Shane, get into some player details. We give some grades. Should be a really fun podcast. Apologize for not getting you one after the game on Thursday. Things a little crazy personal life-wise. So was not able to get one out on Thursday or Friday. I figured, you know what, I'm not going to record one late on Friday night that gets released on Saturday because we're going to have Shane on Sunday. So here we are. And we have a podcast for you. It should be a good one. Hopefully it makes up for not getting one earlier in the week. Los Angeles Clippers go into the All-Star break 24-14. and Four games back of the Jazz for first place in the Western Conference. Encouraged? Discouraged? I think it's kind of a little meh. Did not like the way the Clippers finished in the first half. And I said that was going to be a problem. When you looked at this road trip, the Clippers had to do well. Two games in Memphis at Milwaukee, at Boston, at Washington, and the Clippers went 1-4. They did not start it well at Memphis, was able to rebound the next day and win against Memphis, but then lost at Milwaukee, at Boston, and at Washington. And I'll give a little bit of a pass to the Boston and Washington games with Kawhi being scratched right at tip against Boston and PG being scratched right at tip against Washington. So two games that you should have probably won, two games that they lost, Say la vie, you just move on. You're a half a game back of the Lakers, who are in third. You're one and a half games back of the Suns, who are in second. More likely than not, Clippers will end up as either the two or the three seed, but still a chance to finish off well and possibly get up to that one seed if the Clippers are able to stay healthy. That really is the key, because the Clippers have not been able to stay healthy this season and have that starting five together. So I'm hopeful that the Clippers will be much better in the second half, and I say much better, and they're still 24-14, and 14, so that is pretty good. Quickly, got to pause the show for an announcement. It's a fun one. It's free stuff. Everyone loves free stuff. What is that stuff? The Bruise Letter is back. Oh, yes, back and fresh for the 2020-2021 NBA season. Our founder, Aaron Bruski, writing an email newsletter filled with his most intimate fantasy nuggets. Exclusive content you cannot find it anywhere else. It's not on the website, not in any podcast, not on social media, only in the email newsletter. You can sign up to get it for free. Go to bit.ly slash bruiseletter2021. Sign up in 10 seconds. Again, the site is bit.ly, B-I-T-L-Y, slash bruiseletter2021. Aaron Bruski, straight to your inbox. Enjoy. Also, fantasy. If you play fantasy basketball, you need to be at hoop-ball.com. And you need to have the fantasy pass. Still the best deal in the industry. $4.99 per month. That's it. And there's zero commitment. Sign up for one month. For five bucks, if you don't like it, you can cancel. We know you're going to love it, though. Always nice to have that option of canceling. My favorite part is the HoopBall Discord server. Hang out with all the HoopBall pros around the clock. Get one-on-one help with your team. Many different chat rooms that you can enter. You can go into the Trade Advice chat uh, group. You can go into the Add Drop group. You can go into the Rate My Team group. 
it is the reason why I am doing well and the reason why I know others are doing well. Just the ability to check out the tweet storms that Dan and Adam do every single night where they're talking about every single player that's fantasy relevant. It's awesome. And of course, you also have everything else on Hoopball, updating projections, new fancy appraiser tools, schedule and streaming charts, pickups, drops. It's all there. So please do check it out. Head to hoop-ball.com. Click on the Fancy Pass ad just below the main media wall. All right, enough of me. Let's talk some hoops with Shane. Absolutely thrilled to have this guy on. I've followed his stuff on Twitter. You look at him at Forbes Sports. That's where you read all of his stuff. He's an NBA columnist and analyst for Forbes. Shane Young at Young NBA on Twitter. Shane, welcome to the Hoopball Clippers podcast. Thanks, Brandon. Thanks for having me on first and foremost. And I will say that's probably my favorite intro so far out of any podcast that I've been on. Listen, <laughs> so we, doing good. we were talking right before we started about our backgrounds. And I said that having the broadcasting background makes things helpful. And so I'm trying <laughs> to welcome you in, trying to make you comfortable so we can have an awesome conversation. We've never actually met. This is our first time together, but it's going to be awesome just because we're going to click, man. We're going to click. It's going to be good. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's going to be great. Um, hopefully, let's see if we click better than the Clippers over the last two weeks. Oh, look at that segue. Just beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. I mentioned in the intro the Clippers sitting at 24 and 14. And if you would have told me that before the season, I probably would have taken it to have that record at the mm-hmm. All-Star break. But a little disheartening the way the Clippers went into the break, losing four of their last five on that road trip that featured two games in Memphis one in Milwaukee, one in Boston, one in Washington. We're going to go into some player grades in just a bit, but I do want to hit on that road trip, and especially the last couple of games where they didn't have Kawhi Leonard for that game against Boston, a late scratch, and then they didn't have Paul George against Washington because of him being a late scratch. And apparently he said today he was dizzy from too much caffeine. So lay off the the, uh, coffee and the rock stars, PG. So... How much should we read into these last couple games? Because you don't have Kawhi in one, you don't have PG in another. I find it hard to actually give it the old, this was a bad loss because you don't have your star. I kind of want to err towards that. But that being said, you're the Clippers, and you should be winning these games even without one of your best players. What do you think? So I thought... It, it was, you know, if you're looking at things from new, from a neutral standpoint, like if you're not a fan of the team, then I think you can observe it and say this was a little bit troublesome. It was a little bit concerning the way they just looked inconsistent, especially uh, defensively. I, you know, I think this might be a hot take. Um, and, I, you know, I normally don't delve into the hot takes, but I think the hot take for me would be I just think Clippers defense in general over the last month has been a lot more concerning than the offense, which is something that if you just read Twitter, if you just open up Twitter or ask some random person on the street that, that has been watching the Clippers um, you know, since their bubble meltdown, I think you, <clears throat> they would tell you that their late-game offense, which we'll talk about later, I'm sure, is the, is the most you know, troubling part of, of why they can't finish games. But to me, Brandon, I just think I just think their their lack of intensity for large portions of the game defensively is what is is kind of what just comes back to comes back to bite them a lot of times uh, throughout the games, and you know that that's something that I think 
it won't be that big of a uh, it won't be that large of a problem as the playoffs roll around because you have in the playoffs you have top tier contenders that you're going against pretty much every round. I mean, you know, even look at last year against Dallas in the first round. Dallas wasn't your traditional seven seed, and you know, over the last three games of that series, Clippers just rolled them. Or the last two games, they, they just rolled them. So I think their defense is something that they can flip a switch, you know, proverbial switch against uh, against top tier opponents. But it's it's you know going against the Memphises, it's going against like the Washingtons, especially that that last Washington game, man. Like they just didn't get enough stops down the stretch. I, I think they generated a lot of good looks in that last game they played before the All-Star break, but, you know, unfortunately they didn't go down. And then on the other end, you have Davis Bertans or Bradley Bill trading threes, trading buckets. I just, I, I think the lack of lineup consistency for this team is coming back to haunt their defense. Now you could, you could also say like, oh, well, that's also the reason that they can't, they can't generate good, clean buckets in the clutch is because they, you know, they just haven't been, together as much you know this you know Kawhi and PG have only played 24 games together out of 38 so it's like you know that that's that's concerning as well but but I would look more towards the defense and say like if this team is going to be as good as I and and you probably thought they would be which is the best team in the west and then probably the second best team in the NBA behind Brooklyn you know when all things are said and done then they have to get things together on that end they have to get more continuity to, to be to be trusting defensively, it, it just seems like there's there's one mistake at the end of the shot clock, or or a guy that overhelps and leaves a, a wide open three point shooter. So I think their defense for me is is something that that road trip really it really stuck out to me because you know Giannis that Milwaukee game, Giannis and Chris Middleton down the stretch just abusing them for the most part. You know, Budenholzer was running some good stuff, and, and the Bucks were generating really good looks and. and wide open lanes for Giannis. So, I, you know, to answer your question, you know, non, I know it was very long winded, but to answer your question, I think their defense stuck out to me in that road trip. It's so interesting. You are saying that it's the defense because you really could look at it two ways. I mean, in a lot of situations, you can look at it two different ways, but in the last few games, the Clippers went through stretches at the end of games where they didn't get a field goal for three or four minutes. And that's part of the reason why they lost. But to your point, also, you got to get stops. And you can look all the way back to the Denver series, Shane, in that the Clippers had these large leads, double-digit leads. Mm -hmm. And you can look at it, okay, well, was it the defense that allowed the comeback? Or was it the offense that went quiet? And to look at it that way is very interesting in terms of you saying it's the defense. Because I, I think you're certainly right. And I'll tell you something, and I'm curious to see if you agree the defense I'm not as concerned about. I do agree, by the way, that the defense has not been good, mm -hmm. and I think you're spot on because you have Kawhi and PG, and you have Pat Beverly, and you have Zoo, who's been a pretty good defender. It just seems like the pieces are there, and I'm not sure I'm as worried because I know the pieces are there. But that being said, since the pieces are there right now, why aren't they being? Why aren't they better than they are right now? You know, like that. I think that's the most yeah. frustrating thing is that the pieces are there. If you're going to figure out the offense later on, like Ty Lue is, in which he makes adjustments, then shouldn't the, the defense be where you can rely on it right now instead of the offense? Like that. That's so confusing to me. Yeah. Is trying to figure it out because yes, I think the defense is more likely to figure it out. 
But the question is, why aren't they figuring it out right now when the pieces are there? Oh, absolutely. And that, that kind of just like leads into and, and touches on a point that I think should be made. And it's something that I, I, I've kind of been chewing on for a while that I don't think a lot of fans, like I, I just don't think 70% of fans understand that defense is not all about hustle, energy, and effort. That's part of it. Like that's, that's a good portion of it. But it also requires like having everyone on the string, being smart about the decision you're making, um, having a coaching staff that's willing to try different things defensively, which I think the Clippers do have. Uh, this is their, you know, to me probably their best defensive coaching staff in terms of you know uh, trying different things that they've had for a long time. Um, probably since, you know, probably for the last decade plus. Um, so I just think, you know, Dan Quinn or, uh, Dan Craig coming over from, from Miami, they, they understand that, look, they're going to have problems in the drop coverage with zoo and Ibaka allowing these mid range attempts, allowing these floaters. And then, and, and, uh, you know, not, you know, I think Ty Lue has mentioned multiple times, he wants them to play more aggressively. He wants the zoo and Ibaka and, you know, even when they go small with Morris and, and Batum to, to push up and, and pressure those guards that are coming around screens at the top of the key or the top of the arc and not letting them get downhill and, and you know, getting into those floater ranges like John Morant and the Grizzlies did. I mean, Grizzlies just kind of abused them in terms of, you know, exposing their drop coverage schemes. So at least they know, at least we know that they're going to adjust as time goes on. So you're right. I'm not concerned that their, their defense will look this like average or mediocre come May 18th or May 20th when the playoffs start. Right. Um, but you're, you know, I think you hit on an important thing. Like it, it takes having a, a smart unit that's also available day in and day out. Like for me, if I look at the Lakers last year, I'm not sure if you agree with this, but I think the reason they were probably the best defense in the West uh, you know, outside of Milwaukee was the best defense in the league that year. But I think the reason the Lakers were the best defense outside of just having Anthony Davis and Frank Vogel preaching to guys, you know, every night, they were really healthy last year. Name me a, a rotation player on the Lakers that missed significant time or or had to miss back to backs due to medical reasons or, you know, just had a uh, hamstring injuries like Paul George did last year. So I think I think that the DNA for the Clippers defensively is there. It, it's all there. They just need probably, I would say, four weeks together uninterrupted. And I, you know as well as I do, Brandon, four weeks together uninterrupted has been something they have not had since Kawhi and PG signed on the dotted line. They have not had a month straight to really dial in and hone in those details. And then you compound the issue with, oh, well, Kawhi and PG last year weren't really that big fans of 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 practices you know, like you know they wanted days off they, especially with their injuries that they were kind of trying to nurse throughout the year like it's understandable that they didn't want to practice like three times a week you know they they barely would practice well this year it's not a lack of desire for practice it's a lack of time there you know you there's a games every other day i was just thinking about this the other day man like in what other nba season do you do you see very rarely that there are two two straight days off like I think the Clippers have three instances all season of having two straight days off, not including the all-star break. So you, you play a game, the next day is for travel and recovery, and the next day is another game. So you can't really cram in practices there unless you want to run your guys down, and that's not good for guys like Patrick Beverly. 
guys that are having you know constant knee issues throughout throughout each season. So it, they're kind of just in a bad place. They're you know it, it's it's like it's not their fault that they don't get to practice. It's not their fault that they haven't had four weeks uninterrupted. But they they sure need it, man. They sure need it in order to get to their defensive ceiling. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I would. And uh, I'll even take it one step further that the Lakers last year played with the intensity that they would need to play with in the playoffs throughout the regular season. Whereas the Clippers throughout numerous instances last year, whether it was a 1230 game, whether it was a back to back, Mm -hmm. just seemed like it was the typical schedule loss actually occurred and they didn't allow the play on the court to overcome the schedule loss, and they weren't playing hard enough. And there were games last year where you shouldn't have lost. I mean, you shouldn't have lost. I believe it was a back-to-back against Memphis and New York, and the Clippers just didn't look good that weekend. And then you look now, I think the Clippers have been much better in valuing every game. And so when you look at that and you say, okay, well, they're taking every game seriously, so what's the issue? And then we go back to your point in that they haven't really been together very long. And you really have to emphasize that this offseason was so short. And Ibaka signed basically right before the NBA season, you know? So you don't have... Signed December December 2nd. Yeah, and the season started 20 days later. So (laughs) it's wild. I mean, you normally do not have that happen because normally free agency is July 31st and you have guys ready to sign and then they get a couple of months before the season starts. Instead, you have guys that are immediately thrown into your system. You have a new head coach that, yes, he was there, but you can clearly tell that this offense is very different than what was happening last year and the defense as well. So it's different. You have new assistants that are there. Like you said, Dan Craig is trying to input his system You have Chauncey Billups there. I mean, you have a whole new coaching staff, and the Clippers haven't had very much time together. So you hope hope that the more and more you get through the regular season and every little bit of time you get to practice will help. But again, to your point, you got to be healthy. And the Clippers have really struggled with that, whether it's Kawhi, whether it's PG, whether it's Pat Bev missing time. It seems like... There's always somebody that's a huge piece yeah, of the it, Clippers that's been out. It kind of, it's also kind of like kind of funny in a, in a sick way too. It's like, like the last couple games, man. Like you think going into it, I remember sitting here talking to someone that you know covers the Celtics, thinking like, oh, this is gonna be you know full strength against full strength. We get Jalen Brown back in the lineup, and right before tip off, it's like, oh, Kawhi can't play. Yeah, back spasms, and it's like, okay, well then that kind of just derails the entire matchup argument that we could look at because like i don't think the celtics would make the finals this year but like let's just say they did we don't really have a good healthy film because pg missed the the first game against the celtics so did jalen brown and and they and the clippers still almost won that game and then you have Kawhi missing this game um against boston and, and pg nearly pulling it out by himself and it's like man and then you have the next game it's like okay I asked Ty Lue before the game. I was like, you know, before the Wizards game, it's like, you know, is everyone available? <laughs> He's like, yeah, everyone, uh, you know, Marcus is not playing, but Kawhi's playing. So then you, you just think, okay, well, at least we get the full the full starting lineup, and at least we get to see every rotation player sans Marcus Morris. And then you get out there, and it's, oh, well, Peachy can't play because of dizziness. So 
it's it's just one thing after another, man. And you hope that the final, I'm not good at math, those are 34 games left. I think it's 34 left. You hope that those remaining games is is, is going to be an indication of how they will look throughout the playoffs. So, you know, it's not going to happen. There are going to be other things popping up, whether it's knee soreness, whether it's, um, you know, just unlucky injuries that are, that are going to be caused by the long and, and shortened uh condensed season so there are going to be other absences throughout the year but you 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 do kind of hope that they can get a a groove where maybe they can get 10 to 12 straight games to see what they can all do together when everyone's on the string and i think i I think you'd also probably have to agree like patrick beverly is probably their most important player when it comes to getting everyone on the same page it seems like when he's there they look really good for for big moments or for for long for extended moments and when he's out that's when you have to integrate reggie jackson more from his typical let's say eight minutes to to 20 and that's when you have to put lou williams up there and uh you know not at advantageous situations and then that's when you know luke Kennard or terrence Mann had to play bigger minutes so it's like yeah i think i think patrick beverly's status might be the the king and chief among all things that are important for their title chances yeah, and here's the thing. I feel like we've been saying that now for a couple of years. When everybody's healthy, when everybody's healthy, they'll be great. When Chris <laughs> Paul is able to make it through the playoffs without getting hurt. When Blake Griffin doesn't get hurt. When those yeah. guys all together are on the court, they'll be fine. When Kawhi is healthy, when Kawhi and PG play together, it seems like one You're not lying. after You're another not lying. after another there's always something in Clipperland where somebody is hurt and it's preventing them from having a full yeah. unit for the playoffs. So crossing my fingers that we get that because, frankly, and, and I, this team is good enough. It's good enough when healthy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think I think uh, you know my buddy Joseph Rye Ward make a, made a good point the other day on his podcast. He said, "I think it's important to note that they have that they're tied for the second most wins in the NBA." You know, 24 wins so far through 38 games. They're on pace for, you know, a 48-win season in the shortened schedule. And they still have not had that long stretch. You know, they had a seven-game win streak where things looked really dominant. That that was probably the best they looked since, I, I would say, since the, this team come together. Mm-hmm. But then again, they, they did have that 7-1 stretch in March of last season before the shutdown you know, where the only loss was that Lakers game on Sunday afternoon that they looked really dominant. And, you know, they destroyed Denver last season by 30, but right before the shutdown. And I think that was their peak. But, you know, they had a seven-game win streak this season, but, you know, and that was with Kawhi missing the game, you know, PG missing the game. So it's, I, you know, I, I, do, I do believe that they're going to find the stride and they'll end up as one of the two best teams in the West and, and right there in the Western Conference Finals. And I just, I, I just don't know how the path is going to be for the playoffs. And maybe that's something we could talk, we could touch on too. Is that like this season? I feel like there's more teams that I could legitimately see go to the finals. And you just wouldn't, you, you know, I can see people rolling their eyes already when I mentioned Phoenix or Utah as teams that could do it. But hey, like th- those teams have such good closing five units that I think Utah, Phoenix, Lakers, Clippers. I think those four teams could end up being in the finals. And I wouldn't be like, oh my God, shocked. Like, you know, I would be surprised if Phoenix was was the one there at the end. But I think the West is really top heavy now. And you you have a team like Denver. 
Would you even want to see Denver in the playoffs if you're the Clippers again, despite Denver being you know lower in the standings? No, I, I just think Jokic is yeah, Jokic is playing at such a freakish level that he's, in my opinion, right now, like at this moment, the best player in the league up to this point of the season, and like I, that would be scary. Uh, like the Clippers finishing third and the and the Nuggets finishing six, like that would be that would be a scary situation for the Clippers. And you add in that Michael Porter Jr. has been much better recently, and yeah. we know that he's not great defensively, but nonetheless, he's been better. He's actually rebounding the ball. So you're right. I mean, it really could go any way, and and you would have to say that more likely than not, if things continued the way they are then the Jazz would probably be the one seed. Maybe the Clippers and the Lakers as the 2-3. So to your point, you may see Lakers-Clippers in the Western Conference semis. <laughs> and so how cruel is that, that the one year that you think, all right, you avoid everybody, and then you face the Lakers in the Western Conference Finals, and you finally make the Western Conference Finals, and someone says, nope, the basketball gods will put the Lakers and the Clippers <laughs> in the Western Conference semis. You want to go to the finals? Yeah. you got to beat the Lakers to get to the Western conference finals. So it, yeah, the path is difficult. It, it really is hard. And for the Clippers, you just hope that they can stay healthy because it's a team that is really well coached. And to your point, when you talk about that win streak, they were beating the crap out of teams. I mean, they beat Sacramento oh, by yeah. 38. They beat Indiana by 34. Then they beat Sacramento by 19. I mean, they were destroying teams and it was good to see. So you hope that, that team is the one that we get towards the end of the season. But I do want to touch on this whole clutch and the clutch rating of the Clippers at the end of games. We're going to talk about it. Clippers Twitter is going crazy over it. The last few games, we have seen the Clippers fall apart at the end and just completely give away games where they are going four or five minutes without a made field goal. And we can go back a couple of games ago where PG and Kawhi took every shot at the end of the game against, I believe it was the Bucks, and they missed them all. And they mm-hmm. allowed the Bucks to come back and win that game. Then you look against Washington. The Clippers just could not make a shot. It was forced shots from PG, and then you had other good looks. But you keep rearing its ugly head when you look and see the Clippers continue to fail in the clutch. Why is that happening? Because in my opinion, one thing that is frustrating to me is it does seem like the Clippers tend to abandon their offensive sets mm-hmm. at the end of games and go ISO. And when you have an offense that's so reliant on passing around and getting to the open shooter, especially from distance, whether it's Batum, Ibaka, Kawhi, PG, Pepev, and you abandon that and you go one-on-one, bad things will happen. To you, When you're watching, why do you think it's happening? Yeah, so I think one thing that's important to to note in that instance, is, you know, when you talk about clutch situations or or problems that that rear their ugly heads down the stretch, I think a big problem that you know I would say viewers and, and fans have when they're watching the game is they they want to associate one loss, let's just say against the Wizards. And then they want to automatically group that together with another clutch loss that this team had like the week before or, you know, a month before and say like that's their only issue down the stretch is that they don't have a point guard to get them in the set. So they don't have anything to anybody to really get them 
get them quality looks in, in those tough, you know, environments where there's, you know, defenses are switching and, and everything's, you know, everyone's in your jersey. I think you have to isolate, you know, the, uh, yeah, ironically, you have to say that. Yeah, I think you have to isolate the the instances and 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 look at them at face value and what they what they are individually. So the Bucks game, that that game didn't really tell me like too much about this team in the clutch. You know, they 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 went four minutes uh, the last four minutes without a field goal. You know, that is correct. But I think the way they were the way they were operating offensively in that game did not tell me, oh, well, they, they really do lack a point guard. They really do lack this. So they really do lack that. I think it was Ty Lue not calling an audible. Ty Lue not, not getting them to do something differently offensively, which I think they would have if it had been called to their attention. And I had to go back and look, but I don't really know if they called many timeouts during those last four minutes to really talk about things. And, and I think it was, you know, it happened so fast that you kind of blink and you're like, oh, they haven't scored in four minutes and the game's over. The Bucks win. And that Bucks game, which I think is the one that a lot of people still have in their memory, Kawhi and PG, it was it was a horrible decision-making by them. Like, they they decided to attack Giannis and Kumpo and Chris Milton in pick and roll, which just meant, okay, you know, the Bucks are going to switch that action. Giannis is going to be on PG, you know, Chris Middleton is going to be on Kawhi. And I don't care, like, you know, Kawhi posting up or Kawhi attacking Chris Middleton in an ISO, although Kawhi is much better than Chris Middleton, he's not much taller, correct? So it's like, you know, you're not creating an advantage there. You're not you're not doing yourself a service as you would if you got Pat Connaughton or Dante DiVincenzo, whoever was on the floor, Bryn Forbes for a, for a moment there, like, Get one of those smaller defenders that don't have a good defensive reputation that you know you can generate a good clean look off of. And if and if you miss those shots, cool. Like you lose the game and that's fine, but at least you generated a clear look for your best player. I just don't think any of those looks down the stretch of that Bucks game, man, were any quality looks. You know, PG uh, step back three against Giannis in the corner again didn't create any advantage for himself. I think there was one instance where like PG drove, had a clear lane, and he I think he beat Pat Connaughton off the dribble, and then Drew Holiday, which I think this is also important too. Like everyone wants to jump on and gang up on the Clippers for their clutch offensive problems, but I think you also have to credit the defensive teams, whether it was you know the Bucks, the Celtics, and even the Wizards. Although the Wizards are are pretty trash defensively for the most part. They they looked really good defensively on the stretch of that last game that they played. So, you know, I think it, I think these teams are just doing a really good job of of forcing the Clippers into what they don't want to do. And you know, you know, as I was saying, like Drew Holiday slides over and and has a really good contest at the rim, vertical contest on Paul George. And Drew Holiday is one of the best switch defenders in the NBA. So like it, it, it's no problem for him to defend a guy like PG. So I think there were maybe one or two quality looks at the end of that Bucks game. And that's just a different scenario than what we saw against Boston. Against Boston, if I remember correctly, it was just PG taking bad shots himself and not getting anyone else involved. And that, you know, that goes to your to your point a minute ago is they kind of abandoned what made them so what made them so free flowing, what made them so good to execute in those moments. And Brandon, do you remember in that Suns game they played early in the season? I think it was late. Was it late December, early January? I think it might have been. January, I can't remember, but 
They played the Suns. PG drove after getting a ball screen, I think, just drove downhill, which is something that they're kind of not doing now in the clutch. He PG got by his defender, drove downhill, forced rotation, which is important. That's the most important thing in basketball is to force a rotation once you get to the paint. Mm-hmm. And then who was wide open in the corner? Nick Batum, right? Yep. He catches the ball wide open, drains it. The bench goes wild. They go up by double or they go up by two possessions. The game's pretty much over. PG mm-hmm. stares down Devin Booker. <laughs> When's the last time we saw that? Exactly. Like, they're, they're taking jump. Yeah, they're taking jump shots. They're taking jump shots over good defenders. Now you could say like you know, Holiday and all these guys are smaller than PG and Kawhi. That's true, but they're still really good defenders. They're going to get up in your face. So I think we need to see Kawhi. More so PG because PG is a little bit faster, a little bit more. Uh, his strides are longer than Kawhi's, which I think is important. Even though PG just can't can't generate fouls, like that's something else we could talk about. He just cannot generate uh, fouls after contact. I, I guess the refs don't respect him enough or something. But we haven't seen him get downhill and force that extra guy over. And until they do that, I'm sorry, Clippers Nation. Like they're going to continue relying on these jump shots. That's not because they need a point guard. It's because their de facto point guard, PG, doesn't do what he's supposed to do down the stretch. Let's take a quick break from our conversation with Shane and talk about our friends over at MyBookie. Whether you are an experienced better, you are a new better, MyBookie is the place that you want to use to gamble. Their rep is rock solid. They've got the best odds, contests, and promotions in the business. So the only place that I trust to handle my NBA related bets, my Premier League related bets, college basketball, any single sport you want to bet on, they've got lines ready for you to bet on. Also, they've got casino games like blackjack. They've got it all. They've got prop bets. My bookie truly has one of the best reps out there and I am giving them my stamp of approval. You have to be good at what you do to get that stamp of approval and I Give it to them. It's simple. Sign up, enter the promo code HoopBall, and get your deposit matched halfway up to a thousand bucks. That's the promo code HoopBall. Very simple. Get your deposit matched halfway up to a thousand bucks. Need a little help? Hit up the guys of the HoopBall gaming department. They do a great job. Devin heads it up. Troy is on a, an absolute heater in the NBA. Follow those guys, tail them, win some money, and let them know that I sent you. Head over to my bookie if you want to add a little excitement to the sports you love and the games you bet. Bet with the best. Bet with my bookie. So let me ask you this. And by the way, good memory. It was January 3rd, that game against uh, Phoenix, where they won 112-107. PG had 39 in that game. Um, let me ask you this. Whose fault is it then that the Clippers are yeah. falling apart at the end of these games? Because you mentioned several things. You mentioned the lack of timeouts. Mm-hmm. So you could throw that on Ty Lue. You mentioned PG forcing stuff. And Kawhi as well is a guy that you're paying a max player that you basically traded your entire future to get PG and to make sure that Leonard had a partner. And so Kawhi should be making some of these shots, no matter how difficult it is, because you gave the Clippers an out when you were saying you got to give credit to the defenses. Absolutely. You always have to give credit to the defenses, but then where the hell is the Clippers' defense when these teams are on offense, you know? And these guys You're like not, PG yeah. and Kawhi should be better than they actually are. So the question is, whose fault is it? Is it all of Ty yeah. Lue, Kawhi, and PG? Is it PG because he's got the ball in his hands the most late in games and he has to be better? Who, whose fault? 
I don't think a lot of people want to hear this answer um, because a lot has been made. And I know you would definitely back this uh, based on uh, just just how the team has played and how the environment has been. It's been a it's been a much much better feeling and ecosystem around the Clippers this year without Doc and with with Ty Lue at the helm. I think the answer is Ty Lue. I think Ty Lue hasn't been as like strict. Hasn't been as I don't, I really don't know the word for it. Hasn't been as demanding as he should be to get really good looks. And you know that that comes out in his post game comments too. Like he. You could tell he's frustrated when they don't. You know, I think the Wizards game was an exception because they did. You know, I kind of put a compilation together on Twitter. Like they did generate probably four or five clean looks for Batum and Kawhi, and that was without PG, right? And they just missed shots. But you can tell whenever they don't, he gets aggravated. But it seems like he's not. And and you know me and you like you and I we can't say this definitively because we're not in the timeout huddles like we're not there. Um, even you know the people that are calling the games aren't there in the Brock or in the in the timeout, so they don't know. But I just don't think that he's emphasizing enough that hey, we don't have to we don't have to devolve into this hero ball type stuff that we did against Milwaukee and Boston. We can we actually can run our offense and. and you know, I, I'm not going to say he's doing a bad job coaching. I think he's I think he's the right man for the job. But if you ask me why they're having the problems, I just don't know if he's being harsh on them enough in terms of getting them to do what they should be doing. It's so interesting you say that because I have given so much praise to Ty Lue throughout this season because frankly, yeah, he's done things. Too, man. He, he hasn't too. done things that Doc. I mean, he's done things that Doc hasn't. I mean, he adjusted on the fly. He's looking at analytics. Yeah. He's actually implementing an offense. He's getting these guys to try hard. But he said himself that there are certain things that he is going to adjust in the playoffs. He's going to adjust as the season goes on. There are still things he needs to implement offensively and defensively. So we have to remember yeah. this is a first-year head coach, and as much as you want to win everything right away, you need to play out the final 34 games. And good math, it is 34 well, games. Yeah, let, let me – oh, thank you. <laughs> let, let me ask you something real quick because that's something I've been wondering for a while, and, and I, I kind of was talking to uh, Farbot about this. And it's like, what do you think is wrong with – not wrong, but what what do you think has been the deal with Surge? Like, yeah. to me – to me, I think the first two and a half to three weeks, maybe even the first month of the season, I repeatedly said, like, this this Ibaka signing, this this addition to, into the starting lineup and providing the spacing that he, that he does and you know, just the defensive wherewithal, he, he's not the biggest guy in the world. He's not still the, blo- the shot blocker that he used to be, but the wherewithal and nowhere to be, I think this is what lifts them over the hump. But now it's like, they might be better off closing with Marcus Morris at the five. They might be better closing, closing out with Zoo. And, and that's an, also another point I want to touch on, too, before I put that to you. is like, I think if you're going to try to get PG and Kawhi downhill down and force the extra weak, weak side defender over a little bit to, to create those good shots, I think you need Zubak in the game to set better screens than Surge, to roll with a purpose instead of pop out. And and kind of just like you know muck things up a bit. I think I think you kind of need to close with someone other than Surge in these instances. And I was really puzzled when he went to Surge in the end of the Wizards game. Uh, I know they didn't have Morris available, uh, but I just would have went somewhere else because Surge to me, if you're going to get into grades, has been the biggest disappointment since 
let's just say mid-January or something, you know, maybe late January. I think surge has been the worst. Yeah, and, and we'll get into some quick grades in a, t- in a tiny bit. And uh, I do want to touch on what you just said because the numbers support it. And you can even look at the Milwaukee game, man. And immediately I came on the podcast after that game and I said, why are you going small against a team that has Giannis? Because it just screws you defensively and you're not able to get rebounds. And Zoo is the guy that should be in there. And touching on Ibaka, the numbers support it. He averaged 14 points per game in five games in December, shooting 56%, averaging about a three and a half per game, 1.53s per game. In January, just under 12 points, 11.9. So he dropped from 14 to 11.9. His threes per game went from 1.4 to 1. Field goal percentage went from 56 to 51.4. February dropped to 10.4 points per game, shooting 50%, averaging 0.9 threes per game. It's been two games in March, averaging 3.5 points per game, shooting 27%, and averaging a half a three made per game. So he has absolutely gotten worse as the season has Mm -hmm. gone on. So you hope... You hope that he needs some time off during this all-star break and he comes back to be the guy that we looked at the first month because you're spot on. That first couple of games, we're looking at like, holy hell, this guy, he's the big that we needed. He's that stretch five that we needed. He can spread the floor. He is exactly what Trez was not. And this is going to be what puts the Clippers (laughs) over the edge. And then, of course, you had Batum as well. You're like, oh, these two guys, this is what we need. Those are the two pieces we needed. We're going to win the title. And now... Batum has definitely dropped off, which is to be expected. But Ibaka, I don't yeah. think, has got has should be dropping off as much as he has. So you're spot on, and it's unfortunate. Yeah, I just think Zoo has earned. I think Zoo has earned the time. To yes. be honest, with you. I, he earned the time last year. He's earned it this year. Yeah. And I, I'm not saying I would start Zoo just because, like you, I think like I'm not completely sure about this, but I just feel like a a part of Serge starting is that he he and Kawhi really like, you know, love each other in that sense. And I think that you would, you would want to please Kawhi and that's Kawhi's guy. And I just think that politics are, are something involved in that. And he's also like a, a 11 year veteran, I think. So um, I'm not saying I would start zoo, but I, I sure would give zoo a, a great bulk of the minutes, especially down the stretch. And, and if they're closing with Morris at five, I like, Closing with, I, I like closing small in, in most instances, but if the instance is you need PG to get to the rim, who is screening for PG? Yeah. Is it Kawhi? Is it Morris? Like, I think Zubak has been the best screener on the team by a huge margin, and he needs to be out there. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Spot on. I think that the one thing that we have seen, though, is that Ty Lu recognizes when Zoo is playing better at least for the most part, compared to last year. And we'll see Zoo for stretches of 14, 15 minutes in a row, whereas last year Trez would play the final 18 minutes of the game, and you're wondering, where the hell is Zoo? Because he's done much better defensively. It seems like Ty Lue is okay playing Ibaka 20 minutes and then playing Zoo 28 or something like that. So hopefully that's a yeah. trend that, that does continue, because that, that's one thing that, going back to Ty Lue, he makes adjustments. And so we'll see what happens as the season goes on. We have a couple minutes left. I want to hit on some quick grades at the all-star break um, for individual players. And we can make this really short where we offer our grade in just a quick sentence or two um, on each player. 
Um, let's start with PG and Kawhi. Let's start with PG. Uh, he started off the year really well, inserted himself into the MVP conversation. I think he has struggled um, going back to clutch, quote unquote, that he needs yeah. to be better there. Um, I would give him probably an A minus in the first half. What about you? Took the words out of my mouth. Um, I'll go a little bit, I guess a little bit better. I was going to say A minus because because the last few games, but you know, looking at it, man, I'm going to go A, just just a flat A. You know, it hasn't been an A plus, but, but I think this dude has done everything that's been asked of him. Highest two point percentage of his career, and it's only been 27 games, but when he gets inside, he finishes, and that's something that has struggled. He struggled with in his last, you know, I guess few years or last year, like he didn't finish well at the rim, but highest two-point percentage of his career, highest three-point percentage of his career, he's just not getting to the line enough. So I think if he got to the line, it'd be an A-plus. <laughs> yeah, and hit a couple of shots late in games. Uh, Kawhi, yeah. shooting over 51% this season, Ooh. averaging 26.5 points per game, averaging 6.3 rebounds, five assists, a combined two blocks and steals together. He has been really good, and he himself has inserted himself into the conversation for MVP. He's been outstanding. Um, I have high expectations for him, so I am also going to give him an A- minus because there are shots at the end of games that I think he needs to be better. He needs to turn over the ball less, yeah. so I'm going to go with an A- minus for Kawhi. Might be a little bit of a uh, – uh, might get a little bit of backlash for this, but um, you know, Kawhi has been – He's been higher on the MVP ladder than PG, so it's going to make a little bit of – this might be a little bit of a hypocrisy, but I'll go B-plus for Kawhi only because I think there's a lot more room for him to be a lot better, right? I think there's room for him to be a lot better, especially defensively, uh, to kind of clear up some of the holes that they have out there and then, you know, be a little bit more intense. So I'll go B-plus. Uh, I, I do anticipate him to ramp it up as the season goes on, though. Let's go to Ibaka. We just talked about him. No need to really go much further about the numbers. Um, I'm going to give him a C plus. He would have been an A at the start of the season, but he has not been good recently. So I'm going to give him a C plus. Yeah, I, I'll I'll join you there. C plus just because he his presence alone got them into their. I think his presence alone has got them to elevate their offense because of how well he spaces it out and how much he allows them to play a little bit more free and, and shoot more threes, too. Like, he might not be hitting them, but I think he allows them to shoot a lot more. So I'll go C+. Plus. He, he could definitely be a lot better on defense, though. Nick Batum is a guy that we had very little expectations for coming into this season, but he came yeah. out on fire in fantasy circles. He's a guy that was an afterthought, but he found his way onto teams he averaged three and a half points per game last year with Charlotte. So everyone thought he was done. He's averaging nine points this year, along with almost five rebounds, about 1.2 steals per game, shooting 47%, which is his best field goal percentage since 2009-2010 with Portland. I'm giving him an A+, plus because the expectations were so low, and he has exceeded them far and away, what we thought. Oh, yeah. I would say uh, A-plus as well. You would say A before he had the baby, then the A-plus gets him because of the baby. <laughs> and I think he uh, he played a lot better after after becoming a, another, or a dad to another child. So that that's great. And I, I'm with you, man. Like, I, I've heard people say, like, before the season that they thought he would be just maybe garbage time minutes. Yeah. You know, maybe play 
eight minutes and that's it. Just, you know, whenever the game gets out of hand on either direction, but this dude shoots 46.7% from the left corner. Uh, and Hey, that, that, that son's game, they wouldn't have won that without two big down the stretch corner threes from the tomb. So I think one thing he could do a little bit better is kind of get into the ears of Kawhi and PG, get into the minds of them whenever they do start to devolve down into those isolation buckets you know, I think he he is the adult in the room that can get them to to pass the ball a bit more and pass the ball a little bit better and down the stretch. So I, I think he's been a great leader, and that's why he's getting A plus here partly. But I think he could even be better from that standpoint, and because I think those guys respect him, so I think he should be a little bit harder on those guys as well. And he stole the starting spot of Marcus Morris, who we'll talk about now, averaging mm-hmm. just over twelve points per game, forty four percent from the field. The eye-popping number is 46% from deep. It was even higher, but it's dropped. He's at 90.5% from the line. I'm giving him a B, and I'm doing so because of, first of all, a little bit of lack of availability. Um, Second of all, because um, I think his scoring, obviously, is a little bit lower than what it should be, but at the same time, he's coming off the bench, not playing a ton of minutes. But I am giving him a ton of credit because, A, team player. I mean, you talk about someone that mm-hmm. everyone said was going to be a cancer in the locker room because he needs to have a lot of shots. He's been great. He told Ty Lue he's okay coming off the bench. So I'm giving him that and also great three-point shooting. So I'm giving him a B. You kind of nailed it on my on my point there about Marcus Morris. I'm going to go A, just a flat A, because I think we've seen a 180. We've, we've seen a complete 180. Is this the guy from Boston that we would have thought that would be saying all this like, you know, team centric stuff and, mm-hmm. you know, selfless attitude. I, I think, you know, the rep on him coming to the Clippers was a lot worse than what he's shown. And he's been on the court. It's been spotty. Uh, I think his, I think his defensive speed and, and quickness has, has dwindled and that might not be a, a great thing, especially come playoff time. He's going to be playing a lot more minutes, but Hey, for the attitude that has been adjusted, it, you know, I'm not going to say he's a bad attitude guy, but it wasn't like it is now. I, I think the change that we've seen now gets him an A. And we'll go with Pat Beverly, who we talked about earlier, a tremendous ball player. The Clippers, you could va- say that he is probably one of the top three players along the PG and Kawhi. Mm-hmm. And his numbers have been decent. Um, I, I do think that he needs to be... Um, someone that's a little bit more of a leader down the stretch in these situations where they're losing these games um, defensively, but he's doing everything the Clippers need. He's shooting really well from three. It's a career high 42% from him from three. I'll give him a B plus just because I think the defense needs to be better overall for the Clippers. And he's a guy that should lead that charge. Yeah, I might have to join you. Um, you know, I, I would say A. I would say A if he had played a little bit more minutes, a little bit more games. Yeah. Um, so I'll, I'll slide down to the B there. And I think it's, I, I think what he could do actually, and and you can go back to the film of the Wizards game specifically, I believe, to watch this. It's like I think to put it to put some a silencer on all those point guard talks and discussions that we see online. He could just drive the ball a bit more. I mean, there's there's instances where he gets a, a maybe a half step or a full step on his guy, and I think he gets a little. I'm not gonna say he's frightened because he's not scared of anybody or anything, but I think he kind of you know gets disenchanted when he tries to drive and he sees that the, you know the defense is shifting over to him. I think he should just keep going. 
I think you should just get get all the way to the cup and either draw a foul or pass it out once rotations come. I think he stops a little bit too short, and then that gets them that gets the shot clock, you know, down to like eight seconds or, or seven seconds, and then you have Choir PG trying to do something out of it. So I think you know, in order to shut all that up, he should just act as the point guard a little bit more and actually get them downhill a little bit. So I, I think if he did that, along with being a good spot up shooter. It would be an, it would be inarguable that he's the third most important player on the team. And we'll wrap this one up. We'll group some guys together because I've had you way longer than I uh, told you it was going to be, and I appreciate that You're for good, you sticking man. with. Um, we'll group all these guys together. Ibaka, we'll do Kennard, we'll do Terrence Mann, and we'll do Lou Williams. Luke, I mean, let's start first with Luke. I'm giving him a D. Purely because of the contract, it's not his fault, but he's still shooting the ball really well from three, which is something that, frankly, you would absolutely take if you told me before the season that he'd be shooting about 46% from three. You'll take that, but he needs to be better than where he is. I'm giving Zoo an A. I think he has improved even from last year. I'm thrilled with what he's doing there. Terrence Mann, I am giving an A. Low expectations. He has been absolutely yeah. tremendous. I could even bump that to an A+. He somehow surpassed Luke Kennard into the order. And then finally, I'm going to give Lou Williams a B-. He has been good in stretches, mm. but he had a really bad start. And so that's what I'm going to do. So I'm going to do those four guys. Those are the grades I'm going to give. What are you going to do for Zoo, Kennard, yeah. Terrence, and Lou? I love grouping those guys together. You know, the, the bench model, as, as people have would say but i think luke luke canard probably gets a c for me i think when he's on when he's on when he's on the floor it looks i think his offense looks fine he he's he's good he's just not shooting enough i think he should just jack up more shots honestly like i know tyler probably doesn't want to hear that but i think he really did should just shoot the ball a lot more um and by the way luke canard probably one of the he's probably on the short list brandon of of guys you would want to hang out with like this dude is probably the nicest guy <laughs> on the team, and it's not close. Reggie Jackson might be there as well, so uh, I'll go. I'll go C for Kennard. You know, I'll go Lou Williams next. You know, I'm kind of, I'm, I've kind of just not been as impressed with Lou. I know I wrote a big piece on on how he's on how he bounced back after that rough start, but since I wrote that piece, he's kind of just disappeared down the stretch of the clutch moments, and mm-hmm. and hasn't really been that good of a scorer since I wrote that. So. You know, maybe maybe I'll go uh, I'll go C minus for Lou. I think I think he could do a lot more this minutes. And again, he's someone that settles for jumpers. And I know that's always been Lou's game, but maybe he should kind of try to adjust that and get and try to get to the line more. I think his free throw rate has has dipped mm-hmm. tremendously. Can you know? I guess since those Trez and Lou days where it was just them and without Kawhi PG. So yeah. I think he should get to the line more. Zubat. Uh, Big Zoo fan. I think the only thing he could do he could do better than what he's doing now is not. I, I think he could finish better near the cup. Now that that's been a strength of his lately, but I think I think he's still trying to struggle, still trying to get the balance between okay, when should I try to finish or when should I pass out to the corners? So once he gets that balance down, he'll be an A plus. So I'll go A A flat for him. Uh, and Terrence Mann, a lot of people just. Don't like Terrence Mann or didn't like Terrence Mann at the start of the year. I uh, thought that he didn't have a place on the team. He's proven that at worst, let's let's say Luke Kennard bounces back and earns his minutes back. At worst, like Terrence Mann still deserves to to have minutes off the bench as an energy guy. 
So if the shot comes around, this dude gets an A plus. But I'm I'm gonna go A minus just because they're guys still help off of him so much that it might not even matter when he's on the floor because the the, the offensive spacing is still clunky. But hey, the Ty Ty Lue, Kawhi and PG have always pray, have always talked about how they want to get up the court faster, how they want to push the tempo. Terrence Mann's the only guy that does that. So for that, he gets an A. And we miss Reggie Jackson, and uh, he's been absolutely tremendous. I mean, he has yeah. come into the starting lineup. God. Yep, he's been great catch and shoot. He's a guy that sometimes will go ISO and try and be a hero, but uh, after all he went through in the postseason last year, to come back to be out of the rotation um, after the first sample size with him, Lou, and Kennard, and to be ready to come into the starting lineup due to injuries – I'm giving him an A+. Plus. He's just filled the role. He's been ready. He's accepted what he's doing, so I'm giving him an A+. Plus. Yeah, me too. Uh, it'd be different if he if he didn't have this positive attitude and he you know, he was getting kind of like pissed off about the inconsistent minutes. Yeah. But, hey, that's not him. He, he, he loves it. He loves the idea of being called upon and, and getting those moments. So, and, hey, you have, to, you have to give him credit for keeping PG in a good mood this year. You know, that's his best friend. Uh, and that's, he's on the team with them. So that, that's great. I think Reggie Jackson, gets an A plus until further notice. I love it. I love it. And that is your draft grades. Shane, this was easily one of my favorite podcasts. I don't know if I've ever had somebody on for over 50 minutes and you're gracious enough to give us the time. This was tremendous. You can read Shane in Forbes you can follow him on Twitter at YoungMBA. Shane, you have a uh, podcast as well. Which one is? What is it? It's called the Putback Podcast. So it's me and and three other guys. One's in Dallas, one's in Phoenix, and one is in Boston. And we all just talk about random NBA things every week. There you go. So follow and hit up the Putback Podcast and listen to that. Rate and review it. Make that podcast grow as well. A big thank you, Shane, for jumping on here on the Hoopball Clippers Podcast. Thanks, Brian, and hopefully we can do this right before the playoffs again. Let's do it, man. Yes, sir. Well, I- I'm not kidding. That I think that was easily one of the best podcasts that we've ever had here with the Hoopball Clippers podcast. Some great content. Hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. It was a great conversation. Shane is an awesome dude. This tournament season, take care of your hair and holes with the best tools for the job. We're talking about our sponsors, Manscaped, the global leaders in male grooming from head to to toe. When the clock winds down in March, be clutch and avoid the upset with the Manscaped Performance Package to keep all your hair and holes tamed. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. Join the Manscaped movement and start taking care of your balls today with 20% off and free shipping by going to manscaped.com and using the code HOOPBALL20 for our exclusive offer. Your bracket's not supposed to be perfect, but with the Manscaped Performance Package, you can be confident that your nose, ear, and balls are. The Performance Package is the ultimate men's hygiene bundle, number one overall seed this season. Including the package is the Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hammer, Nose Hair, nose hair Trimmer, provides proprietary skin-safe technology, helps reduce those nicks, snags, and tugs. Also includes the Lawnmower 3.0 Trimmer, the best trimmer on the market. Let's not forget about the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and the Crop Reviver Ball Toner to maximize your ball hygiene routine and keep you fresh, ready for anything. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code HOOPBALL20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code HOOPBALL20. All right, so we will be back next week with another podcast as the Clippers get set 
to start the second half of the regular season, and it starts on Thursday against Golden State. So we'll try and have a podcast before Thursday, and we will see if we can get perhaps another look at the second half. At the very latest, we'll be back next Sunday, but more than likely than not, we will have another podcast during the week, whether it's recapping the game against Golden State on Friday or previewing that game on Wednesday when that game is on Thursday. So either podcast most likely on Wednesday or Friday, and then we'll have one on Sunday as well as the Clippers take on New Orleans on Sunday night. A big thank you to everybody for listening. You can follow me on Twitter at BDMarcus. You can follow the Hoopball Clippers Twitter at HoopballClips. A big thank you. Please rate and review the podcast. It does help us as we continue to grow this show. So until next time, I'm Brandon Marcus saying so long and go Clips. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.